Hi, Catherine Free here with God's Love Song Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited about the word that God has for us today. As a matter of fact, we're going to go and we're going to join a live um, online Bible study that I was doing. So I want you to go get your Bible, go get your journal, go get your pen, go get your highlighter, get whatever it is that you need so you can be fully engaged. Be ready to participate in the conversation. Be ready to receive revelation. Be ready to receive impartation in the name of Jesus. But most importantly, bring your expectation and bring the supply of the Holy Spirit that is within you. That's how you'll get the most out of it. Amen? Amen. Let's go join the Bible study, shall we? All right. Ministries, thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited about the word that God has for us today. As a matter of fact, we're going to go and we're going to join a live um, online Bible study that I was doing. So I want you to go get your Bible, go get your journal, go get your pen, go get your highlighter, get whatever it is that you need so you can be fully engaged. Be ready to participate in the conversation. Be ready to receive revelation. Be ready to receive impartation in the name of Jesus. But most importantly, bring your expectation and bring the supply of the Holy Spirit that is within you. That's how you'll get the most out of it. Amen? Amen. But before we go, I just want to tell you that there will be a grace box in the corner of your screen. And this grace box is there to help us all, again, to get the most out of the session. Because during these live recordings, there are times when there will be misspeaks, you know, maybe I'm reading a scripture, but I accidentally misread the scriptures, say a wrong word, or, or maybe I name this Bible personality instead of that Bible personality, or maybe I get the address of the scripture mixed up. It's not on purpose. It's not because the Spirit of the Lord has left me. It's not because I don't know what I'm talking about. It was just a misspeak. And so I'm asking you for the grace to know that I did not do it on purpose. And I'm also asking you to receive grace from God to get over it, <laughs> not to stumble over it, so that you can still hear everything that he's saying to you. And if that misspeak just, oh, it's getting the best of you, you just reach in that grace box, grab whatever detail it is you need to make the situation right, and then we can keep it moving. Amen? Amen. Well, let's keep it moving now. Let's go join the Bible study, shall we? All right. Okay. Well, praise God. Lord, we Thank you so much. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. We are thankful unto you and we bless your name. We thank you so much, Lord, for loving us, for loving us as much as you do. You love us so much and we thank you for the word that you have for us today. We know that we shall not leave here the same. So you be glorified and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm just going to jump in. What I've been doing, I've been doing a series, um, and it's about how the Lord told me that the year 2020 would be the year of perfect vision. And so each week I've been doing a little bit of review to build our foundation. So we'll have a sure foundation as we go on, because a building can only be as strong as its foundation, right? Um, so today, I'm not going to go into as much of a review. I'm just going to build on. But if at any point I miss something and there's a gap and you need me to fill that in, stop me and let me know. Okay? 
Okay. Okay. So, um, the gist of it is what God has said to us each week, all right? God has wonderful things in store for us. He has new things that he wants us to, um, wants to show us, and he has new places that he wants to take us. And what he told me today, he told me as I was preparing for this message, and he told me this morning, he said, he's raising up a new leg of his army that will join the ranks in taking dominion over the earth as he commanded Adam to do in Genesis 1.28. Now, as God's children who have received Jesus as Savior, we have authority and we have dominion. But the problem has been that in many situations we don't take the dominion. We sit back and, and put all of the responsibility on God. And God is saying, I want you to partner with me in doing this. I can only work through you in the earth. Yes, I am all-powerful. Yes, I am in control. Yes, but you have a responsibility to join with me to partner with me to bring about the changes in this earth that need to be brought about. Okay? And so that's, that's where we're going to come from today. You'll recall in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Um, let's turn to it just to put our eyes on it. I like it when we put it in our ear gates and in our eye gates and in our mouth gates. And so when somebody gets that, um, please begin reading, and only one person. Genesis 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And that's the King James Version. Thank you, yes. It says, and God blessed them. How did he bless them? By saying, God blessed them. God said unto them, be fruitful. Be, um, or be fruitful and multiply. He's telling them what to be. And when he's using that word be, when he's using his words, he's creating. And that is the blessing. And by virtue of speaking that to them, he's empowering them to do that. So when he said, be fruitful, he, he was empowering them to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. By virtue of his speaking those words to him, to them, and to Adam, he empowered them to do so. Just like when he said, light be, he empowered light to come forth. And just as God gave Adam that command, just as God blessed Adam, in the very beginning, to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth. Here's the thing I want to key in on. To subdue it, to subdue the earth, to have dominion. He has empowered us to do the same thing. Okay? The problem with Adam, though, was that he lost dominion when he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had commanded him. He said, in the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Well, when Adam ate of that tree, he died. His physical body did not die, but his spirit died. When God 
created man from the dust of the ground, he breathed into him the breath of life. That word breath is also his spirit, spirit, his life. And because life was breathed into Adam, his soul became a living soul. It was God's life in him that made his soul alive. Okay? Are you following me? Yes. Okay. So when, when Adam ate of the fruit that God told him not to eat of, his spirit inside of him died. It means that his um, spirit was now disconnected from God. So his spirit, which was connected to God, which heard from God, which conversed with God and communed with God in the cool of the day, his spirit is now separated from God. He is no longer getting godly wisdom. He's no longer getting godly revelation. He's not doing that because he is now aware of good and evil and all these things that God never intended for him or did not intend for him to be connected to can I, Yes. Can, can you say that is considered spiritual death? Spiritual, okay. Death does not mean to cease to exist. When we think about death and we think about people dying, we think they're, they're gone. Their bodies are gone. They're, they're gone. Well, our no, I'm spirit, about, now I'm thinking so to say that he, his soul was separated. Yeah, now I'm just saying sometimes people consider that a spiritual death, but only you, you know, you no longer communicate, your spirit is no longer communicating with God. Right. That's, that's when our, okay, so we are a three-part being. We're spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit is the real us. We think our body is, but our spirit is the real us. That's the part was in, that was in direct connect with God. That's the part we could talk to him. We could even, in, in Adam's day, he could even see in the spiritual realm. He had access to the spiritual realm. Our soul consists of our mind, our will, and our emotions, what we want, what we think, and what we feel. And before Adam's fall, the spirit and the soul were in unity with each other. So when God communicated to Adam, he was, he, Adam was receiving God's thoughts, God's feelings, God's desires. That's why the world was perfect. Everything was going according to the way God designed because Adam was receiving these God revelations and carrying them out. Our body, we can think of it um, in two ways. Well, I'll give you two ways to think about it. There are several, but I'll give you two. One is like it's an earth suit. When, we, uh, when people go to outer space, you know, they need a space suit so they can deal with outer space. They can deal with the lack of gravity. They can deal with all of that. They can access things in space because they're wearing a space suit, which equips them to operate in that atmosphere. Well, because we are spiritual beings, we needed an earth suit to be able to navigate this earthly realm. Okay? So we're, think of it the opposite. We're spirits, but we're in this earth suit. That's why we can touch things. That's why we can pick things up. That's why we can taste and smell and all those things. Um, another way to think of the body is 
now think about it in Adam's day. Adam was spirit. Everything was perfect. He was hearing from God, doing um, what God wanted. So Adam, because he was spirit, had access to all of the heavenly realm, all of the spiritual realm. And because he was in a body, he had authority to operate things here on the earth. Beings on the earth without bodies are here illegally. That's why demons are always looking for someone to possess. Because they without a body can't do anything. That's why the devil in the garden had to enter somebody's body. He entered the body of a serpent. That's why to restore the earth, Jesus had to come in the form of a man. It was man who lost the authority. So God as a spiritual being would be um, going against his own operations if he just took over things as a spirit. He had to come down in a human body to do it. So our body just gives us access and authority in this earth. The spiritual death is when, so the way it happened to Adam, when Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, God said, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, we know that he didn't just drop dead and die. His body was gone. No, no, no. His spirit was separated from God. He went and hid himself from God. And when God says, Adam, where are you? It's not because God didn't know where he was. He wasn't talking about, Adam, where are you physically in this garden? But what, you're not in position. What happened? And God said, I mean, and Adam said, we hid from you because we were afraid. We, we were naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? I didn't tell you you were naked. And you were getting all of your thoughts from me. You were getting all of your feelings from me. You were so who told you you were naked? That is the, the, the illustration. That is the representation of the spiritual death. Death means to be separated from. When Adam ate of the fruit, he, his spirit was separated from God. That was his spiritual death. That's why people who leave this earth without receiving Jesus as their Savior are dead. Our spirits exist forever. We're going to be with God or we're not. So it's not like once this body is buried or cremated or whatever that we cease to exist. No, 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 no. We are eternal beings. Our spirits are eternal beings. But to be separated from God, that is death. And those who leave this earth without receiving Jesus as Savior are eternally separated from God. And there's no way they can join with him because it's too late. That's why if people don't receive Jesus while they still have breath in their body, while they're still on this earth, then they are damned to an, eternal, to an eternity without God. That is death. Okay, and let me put, I hear God saying this. All right, so now let's take the person who is not saved. They're walking around this earth. They're, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, 100 years old, however. But they never received Jesus. Spiritually, they are dead. It is not until they receive Jesus as Savior that their spirit is quickened. And that word quickened means is alive, comes alive. 
It's when we receive Jesus that our spirits are alive, we're reconnected to God, and now we have the ability to hear him. We have the ability to um, commune with him. We have the ability to receive his, um, his thoughts, his wishes, his will, um, everything right. like that. So all of this to say, God gave Adam dominion, and Adam lost his dominion, he lost his authority when he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when he lost his authority, he lost it because he gave it to the devil. Here you go, Satan. You can have it. That's what he did. And that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible calls Satan the god of this world. He's the ruler of this natural world. Because, and, and legally so, because Adam gave him dominion way back in the garden. And that's why in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, Satan was able to tempt Jesus by telling him, I'll give you all of these kingdoms if you bow down and worship me. They were his kingdoms to give. Therefore, it was a valid temptation. So I'm just saying all this to say that... Um, Satan had dominion here in the earth. And notice I said had, past tense. And we'll come back to that in a minute. So when Adam sinned, when Adam ate of that forbidden fruit, death entered the world. And we just talked about death. That's why it says by one man death entered the world. That one man was Adam. And that's why when babies are born, when people are on this earth who have not received Jesus, they are spiritually dead because they have not yet received Jesus. But when they receive Jesus, that's when they come alive because their spirit has been quickened. And they have newness of life. Jesus lives on the inside of them. All right. And when sin entered the world, that's when the curse entered the world. Let's look at that in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. And when somebody gets that, um, please read it. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So we see that God cursed the serpent. He said, from now on, you're going to crawl on your belly. And I always thought this was an interesting tidbit. This means before that, the serpent did not crawl on his belly. A snake crawling on his belly is a part of the curse. It's evident, it's evident of the curse. So he cursed, the, um, he cursed the serpent, and he said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. He already had a plan for Jesus to come to redeem mankind and um, a plan for, for dominion to be restored into man's hands. Okay? But this is how the serpent was cursed. All right, continue with verse 16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. 
In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, okay. Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Sons also and sisters shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for thus dost thou art, and unto dust shall thou return. All right, and so in verse 16 we see um, evidence of the curse in the woman where now childbearing is going to be painful. And in verse eight, 17 and 18, we see how the ground was cursed. Now, instead of it just growing the trees and the flowers and all of that, now there are going to be thorns, there are going to be thistles, and, and, and Adam's going to have to toil for it. He's going to have to sweat for it. God never intended any of this. He never intended anything to be hard. He never intended anything to be um, painful. Now that the now that sin has entered, the curse has entered. And that's what opened the door to all of these things. And that's why bad things are happening in the world today. God never intended for it to be this way. The earth changed hands when Adam sinned. Satan had dominion. Now notice, I said had, past tense. When Jesus came to this earth, he restored dominion into man's hands. And we'll talk about that more in just a few minutes. With all of the bad things that are going on today, though, people still think the devil has dominion, even well-meaning Christians. And when I say we think the devil or people think the devil has dominion, you know, with bad things that happen, they say the devil does it. Okay, all right. But they also think that he is stronger than them and that he can win and beat them, even well-meaning Christians. We don't say, oh, the devil has all the power, oh, the devil is in control. No, we believe in God. We know that God has more power than the devil. But does this sound familiar? God is in control. God is in charge. These bad things are happening, but God is in control. We'll be okay. Let's just keep our trust in him. Right? Don't we say that? Yes, yes we do. And it's good. It's good to have a heart that trusts God, especially in the midst of when bad things are happening. And it's good to depend on him, knowing that we can't do anything in our own power. But the thing that's not good is that um, many times we're operating out of a lack of knowledge. The fact of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, yeah, truth supersedes facts, so I correct myself. The truth of the matter is that God has given us power, and we don't have to sit helplessly by. It's good to, yay, God, I trust you. No matter what happens, I trust you. Yes, yes, yes. 
But then there's another level of understanding that God wants us to have. He wants us to know, not just with our heads, but he wants us to know in our knower that he has given us authority and he has given us power and we can overcome all the power of the devil. So somebody please turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 19. All right, here we go. This is Luke chapter 10, 19 in the Amplified Classic. Oh, my goodness. Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and the physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses, and nothing shall in any way harm you. We have been given authority and power. Those are two different things. Authority is the go-ahead. God says, I'm giving you the go-ahead to trample on serpents and scorpions. I'm feeling the anointing, y'all. I'm giving you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. I'm giving you the go-ahead to trample on serpents and scorpions. And I'm giving you the power. I'm giving you the ability to do it. Not only do you have the go-ahead to do it, but you have the ability to do it. Glory to God. And then he says, and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses. I remember one day I was talking to the Lord. I was very frustrated. I said, God, why is it that I keep getting outsmarted by the devil? He keeps outwitting me. He keeps, why, why, God, I need to be smarter. Why, why does the devil keep, mm, why? And I didn't even know this scripture, first of all, and I certainly didn't know it in the Amplified. But through God's grace and mercy, he led me straight to this verse. I have given you authority and power. Go ahead and ability to trample on all serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power. And the power, that word power there is the ability, all the ability the enemy possesses. So whatever ability the enemy possesses, whatever destruction and devastation he brings, whatever it is, we have the ability and the go-ahead to trample over that. That is the authority that God has given to us. If you heard me, please say amen. 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 Now, I told you in the beginning, and Sister Paris, I don't, you weren't here to hear this, but God said he is raising up a new leg of his army that will join the ranks in taking dominion over the earth as he commanded and blessed Adam to do in the garden. And that's what he's ministering to us today. He's telling us who we are. He's telling us the stock that we come from. He's telling us what he wants us to do. It's time to rise up. And he's telling us that we won't be doing it in our own strength. We'll be doing it in his. But we have to understand how we are connected to him. How it's not all things are possible with God and that's where it stops. No, all things are possible with God. And I'm with God, so all things are possible with me. Because I'm going in his power. I'm going in his authority. I have Jesus living on the inside of me. I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. And I love my friend, um, back in Bible study several years ago, my friend introduced this concept to me. She called it Trinity Unity. 
And we know Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so she said, Trinity, unity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Catherine. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm united with them. I'm one with them. Glory to God. The Bible says that the word of God does not return void. Y'all, I'm getting happy. Let me calm it down. The word of God does not return void. It accomplishes what it was sent out to do. Or it accomplishes what God pleases, and it prospers in what it was sent to do. Well, guess what? God's word in my mouth is still God's word. So guess what? That word that I speak will not return void. It will accomplish what I please. It will prosper in what I send it out to do because I'm in Trinity unity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Catherine. Glory to God. So you put your name in there. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and say your name. Amen. 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 We have the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the ability of the enemy. And nothing, no thing, glory to God, That's shall true. by any means hurt us. Glory, glory to God. God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Amen. Jesus. Okay. Whew. Thank you, Lord. All right. So now, with all that being said, that was, oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's just give, thank you, Jesus. Let's just take a moment to thank him for that word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We receive it. We set ourselves in agreement with your word, Lord, and we know that your word is for us. And so we say, like Mary said, be it unto me, I humble and made it according to your word. I receive every word that you speak over my life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Okay. There are some things that God wants me to share with you this morning. And I want you, this is, I learned to do this, and it has been so effective for me for years, even since I was a little girl. I want you to purpose in your heart to set yourself in agreement with the word of God. (coughs) When you do that, now understand that God's word, according to uh, John 6.63, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. We just got finished talking about how we are spirit, soul, and body. So if we are spirit, if God breathed spirit into Adam and Adam became a living soul, we who are born again have God's God's life inside of us. We are living. Our spirits are alive. We are spirit. So if we are spirit and God's word is spirit, that means we're made up of the same mass, right? And when we're made up of the same mass, that means they mix together. And when we set ourselves to be in agreement with the word of God, whether our mind understands it or not, the word of God will enter into our spirits, and it will even take our minds out of it because we, in our soulish realm that has not been um, 
that has not been renewed yet, we can twist it. We can try to understand it with our own understanding and get it wrong. But when we set ourselves to be in agreement with the word of God, it enters. When we hear it, it enters into our spirit. And Holy Spirit can take it from there and minister it to us in such a way that in time our mind will understand. But if we try to understand it with our mind and then something comes out that we don't quite understand, then we might reject that word or we might resist that word. God wants you to receive all that he has for you. So purpose in your heart to be in agreement with the word and the word that goes forth is going to enter into your spirit. Glory to God. And God's going to minister it to you, and you're going to begin to understand it. You're going to have revelation of it, and you're going to see manifestation of it in your life. Amen. At the same time, understand this. Because, you know, sometimes, and I, this is sad to say, but I'm just going to put it up there. Not everybody in the pulpit is preaching the word of God. And so there are times that you need to guard yourself against what's being spoken. Now, if you're listening to the, but you don't know everything that's in the Word. You don't know, so Lord, what do I take, what do I not? That's why we have Holy Spirit. And that's why we set ourselves to be in agreement with His Word. Because when we're in agreement with His Word, His Word will come in, and everything that's not His Word, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, will block it from coming in. So you don't have to worry about receiving something that's not true. You're trusting on Holy Spirit even to receive His Word. Understand? Yes. Okay. So let's let's purpose in our hearts to set ourselves in agreement with the word of God, even if what we hear, even if we don't understand with our minds immediately, and even if something that we hear goes against something that we have believed or something that we thought to be true. That just have to be in agreement with his word. And on the other hand, there are some things that are going to be said, and they may sound familiar. You may already know the scripture, but I want you to purpose in your heart to hear everything that comes forth this morning with a fresh ear, as if you've never heard it before. Because sometimes we can surrender new revelation at the hands of familiar listening. Oh, I know this already. I don't have to tune in. I don't have to pay attention. I don't have to. So I'm asking you to purpose in your heart to listen as if you're hearing it for the first time. Listen with a fresh ear. With that in mind, I declare Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4 over you, as it's written in the Amplified Classic Translation. I say God is opening your ears right now to hear as a disciple, as one who is being taught by the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. He has such wonderful things, wonderful things to reveal this morning. All right. Um, I know we've already prayed, but I just he gave me this prayer and wanted me to pray it with you. So let me, um, so let's do that, okay? Thank you, Father, for these precious ones who have gathered. I thank you for the privilege of partnering with you to bring your word to your people. Thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Sanctify us by your truth. I declare and decree right now, Father, that we shall know the truth that you impart to us today. We shall not just have mental knowledge of the truth, but intimate knowledge. We shall have relationship with the truth. And that truth 
will make us free. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for unlocking things within each of us. Things that have kept us bound, things that have hindered us from understanding, things that have kept us from moving forward in you, have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Satan, right now, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is against you. I command you right now to cease and desist in your efforts to obscure the word from God's precious people and to distract them from hearing, receiving, and doing what God would say to them. And Lord, right now, I loose your warring angels in the name of Jesus. And I loose your ministering angels among us. And we thank you and we call all of this done. And look forward, glory to God, to what you would impart to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. All right. So um, if you've been here in the last two or three weeks, you've heard this before. But this is what God says. This is part of the word that he gave us, gave me for 2020. He says, there are new places that I want to take you. Let go of your dependence on what you know. If you place your dependence on what you know, it will hinder you from going where I'm trying to take you. There's that, that concept of familiarity again. When we depend on what is familiar to us, then we, we, we close ourselves off to hearing new things and learning new ways. Our foundational scripture is Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16. Will somebody turn to that, please? And when you get it, read it. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16. This is a part of the word that God gave me for 2020. And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. Amen. Amen. And so I will read the word exactly as God gave it to me. God is saying, I'm going to bring you the blind by a way that you know not. You are not blind because you refuse to see. No, you are blind because you are going to unfamiliar places, walking unknown paths, and there are things you have not yet learned to see and recognize. But I'm going to show them to you, and you will have perfect vision. Hallelujah. And so we've defined perfect vision. Perfect vision is different than 2020 vision. 2020 vision means you're standing 20 feet away from an object and you see the object exactly as it should be seen. You have normal vision. But God is saying you're going to have perfect vision. Perfect vision includes many aspects of our vision. It includes peripheral vision, depth perception, ability to focus, eye coordination, color vision. It includes all of that. And when all of those elements are working correctly and they're working correctly together, that's when we have perfect vision. And God is saying, I'm going to give you perfect vision. It's possible for someone to have 20-20 vision but still be nearsighted or still be farsighted. But when you have perfect vision, all systems are a go. Everything's working the way it should be. And man would say that hindsight is 2020. We see things the way we're supposed to see it after we've already gone through it. 
Well, God is saying, no, I'm giving you perfect vision in the moment. As you are going through things, you're going to see them exactly how they should be seen. He says, I'm going to show you the natural. I'm going to show you the spiritual. I'm going to show you things that are holding you back. I'm going to show you places I want you to go. I'm going to show you where your breakthrough is. I'm going to show He's saying, I'm going to give you perfect vision, and you're not going to have to rely on hindsight. In other words, you're not going to have to go through the situation and miss it and then look back on it and be like, oh, man, if I had known then what I know now. God says, no, 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 no. I'm taking you. I'm taking you in these unfamiliar places. I need you to trust me. I need you to let go of what you know because I'm giving you perfect vision so you can see it just as it's supposed to be seen. And when you see things the way they're supposed to be seen, then you know how to navigate them. You know how to handle them. You know you, you're, you're prepared. You, you just There's so many things that happen when you have perfect vision. And this is what God is saying to us. And he's saying, so do not fear. I'm going to lead you in paths that you have not known. Indeed, it is I who have brought you to these paths. You know, there are some things that we've gone through in our lives that we hadn't been able to get the breakthrough because maybe we haven't been at the right maturity level or maybe we just hadn't learned enough yet to be able to use that information or that revelation to to break through. You know, there, there are reasons. But God is saying, I have brought you to this path. There's something I want to show you. There's somewhere I want to take you. So rely on me. Okay? Yes. All right. Now, um, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, just the first part. Proverbs chapter 29, 2-9, verse 18. One eight. Mm-hmm. Just the first sentence. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Yes. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, this word vision in the Hebrew, which is the original language, it means a revelation by means of a vision. An oracle, which is usually an an utterance or someone who brings an utterance like a prophet, or a divine communication. A vision is a revelation by means of a vision, an oracle, or a divine communication. The essence of this word is not so much the vision, the oracle, or the divine communication itself. The essence of this word is about the message conveyed by the vision, the oracle, or the divine communication. That being said, okay, let's call the Bible. The Bible is a divine communication. This is God's word to us. This is a divine communication. Don't you know it's possible to read the Bible and still miss the revelation behind it? Still miss the message behind it? Yes. And Sister Norford showed uh, or gave us the example last week. She says, I'll be reading a scripture. And it's like, no, wait a minute. I know I've read this before. How come I never saw that? Right? We can grow in our level of revelation. We can grow in our level of maturity. And that frees us up to receive more revelation. To him that hath shall more be given. So we can get 
fresh revelation from the word, um, whereas we didn't get it before. Then there are times, amen, then there are times when we can read the word and misunderstand it, and, but not know that we misunderstand it. Like we talked about Job last week, where Job says, the Lord hath given and taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was speaking out of his faith. He was speaking out of his relationship with God. It was, it's tremendous. In the midst of everything being destroyed and taken away, in the midst of one day, he did not curse God. He says, the Lord giveth and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He was faithful to his God. But he was speaking according to the level of his understanding. God's M.O. is not to give and take away. So even though Job said it, and it is recorded in the Bible, it's not for us today to say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. We have to read that passage with an understanding of why it was said. Who said it? So it's, it's in there, but that doesn't mean that it's just like when David was praying, he said, Lord, I want you to knock their teeth out. That was an Old Testament prayer. We are not allowed to pray that now. <laughs> we have to read the Bible with understanding. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. All right? So it's possible to read the Bible and miss the point. But God says, in 2020, you're going to get the point. You're going to begin to walk in the inner workings of my word and will know how to work my word efficiently, accurately, and precisely. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's going to bless us to understand his word as we've never understood it before. And not only is he going to bless us to understand it, but he's going to show us how to use that thing like a weapon. You know, in Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God and part of the armor is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. That's the Word of God that, that He speaks to us. It's His revelation to us. That's the, the rhema Word. But He's going to give us the Word, and we're going to know how to slice and dice with it. Hallelujah. Also on the armor, we have the belt of truth. The belt represents the, the Logos Word, the written Word, the Bible. And in the let me see. For the Roman armor, the belt was the piece of the armor that held every other part of the armor, except for the shoes, of course. It, it held the sword. It held the breastplate. It, without the belt, you couldn't have your armor secure on you. You'd be walking and parts of your armor would fall off. Well, it's the same way when we put on our armor of God. The belt of truth, the word of God is the thing that holds everything together in, in our lives. And it's the thing that holds our breastplate of righteousness, letting us know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's the thing that holds our shield, our, our sword. Excuse me? Now I was just repeating what you said. We are the righteousness oh, of God. Okay. Yes. Yes, we are the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians 5.21. Glory to God. And so, um, 
God, in 2020, we're going to get the point. We're going to begin to walk in the inner workings of his word. He's going to show us how to use it just like a tool. He's going to show us how to use it to make things happen. He's going to show us how to, it's not going to be just something that we read or something that we meditate on or a devotion or memorize. I was talking to a friend of mine, actually a partner of my ministry this week, and he was saying something and, and somebody's name slipped his mind. And he said, oh, we were listening to, we were listening to, he said, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. You bring all things to my remembrance. And he kept talking, and then he was like, thank you, Holy Spirit, and then he said the guy's name. He used that word to remember something that had slipped his mind. He didn't make the confession, I forgot, or my mind is slipping. He used the word to bring what he needed, and God is going to show us how to do that. The thing that God has been ministering to us for the last couple of weeks has been the message behind the resurrection. We've been using John chapter 3, verse 16. I know it's a very familiar scripture, but let's put our eyes on it. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. And so when we, we talked about this before, when we think about the scripture, you know, we think about it as a salvation scripture. It's often a scripture that we share with people to, to, to share Jesus with them, right, and to offer them salvation. And so when we say, whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, what do we often associate with that word perish? What does that word perish mean? Burn when we it up. Like that? Burn it up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you shall not go to hell. You know you won't go to hell. Believe on Jesus. You won't go to hell. <laughs> so we use that scripture to offer salvation to people, but also to give them fire insurance, right? You won't go to hell. Also, but shall have everlasting life. What do we associate that with? Everlasting life. When we go to heaven. You go to heaven. You won't go to hell, but you'll get to go to heaven. Yes. And live with God forever. forever. That's how we use it. And that's not wrong. But how does that scripture apply to people who have already received Jesus? There's more meat to get out of that scripture. Um, heaven. We think of heaven as a future reality. We get to go live with God forever. We get to go be with him. And so, you know, once we make it through life on this earth, we get to lay our burdens down and meet Jesus and all of that. But I want you to know that heaven is not just a future reality. Heaven is also a now reality. We'll talk about that in a minute. But talking about salvation, offering salvation to people. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You won't go to hell, but you get to go to heaven forever. And we think that's what salvation is. And a lot of people have limited salvation to meaning just that. Salvation means I get to go to heaven. 
I've shared this with you in the past couple of weeks. I'll share it with you again. Salvation is so much more than just going to heaven. When we get saved, that word in the Greek, which is the original language, is sozo. And it means to be saved from danger, to be saved from suffering, to be saved from sickness, to be made whole. And that idea of whole is shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. To have spiritual and eternal salvation. To have God's present power to deliver from the bondage of sin. All of these things we're not going to need when we get to heaven. When we get to heaven, we're going to be healed and whole and happy and joyful and safe from danger. God gave us this now. It was accomplished through the finished work of Jesus Christ. The work that he accomplished by dying on the cross and rising again and being raised again. This is what was afforded to us. This is a part of our, I call it our so-so package, our salvation package. This is what Jesus died and rose again so we could have. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. These are the things that we're supposed to be experiencing in our life, saved from danger. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Right? No plague shall come nigh in dwelling. We just read in Luke 10, 19, nothing shall in any means harm you. We are saved from danger now. We are saved from suffering now. Even with what's going on right now with the coronavirus and even before that, you know, just I'll call them regular sicknesses and, and, and natural disasters and all of that. In our salvation package, we are saved from suffering. So that tells me that there are some things in the word that we can activate and that we can operate in that can change our situation. We can walk in that authority that God has given us, and we can take dominion as he has commanded us to do, and we can change our situation. Amen? Amen. 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 So salvation is not just going to heaven. Salvation is living a life like heaven on earth right now. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, how is it to be done in earth? We're supposed to call those things that be not as though they were. We're supposed to walk in the authority. We're supposed to speak those things. That's how it comes from heaven to earth. God can't just drop it down here. Everything needs to be spoken into the earth. Jesus couldn't even come until everything had been spoken about him that needed to be spoken. That's why God gave the word to all the prophets down through the line. And when every one of them about Jesus had been spoken, then Jesus was able to be manifest in the earth. That's the same way. That's the same way. And we're still talking about the message behind the resurrection. So all these pieces are going to fit together real soon. Um, all right. So we're talking about heaven is a now reality. Remember earlier when I said that Satan had dominion, past tense? Remember? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. Okay. So I've, I've talked about it, but I'm going to ask you the question, and I want you to answer. Who has, excuse me. Who has dominion now? Jesus. God. We do. I heard Jesus, God, and what's the last thing I heard? 
We do. We do. Ding, 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 ding. We have dominion. We have dominion. Jesus got it back for us, and then he gave it to us. So let's Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Yes. So let's let's walk down that road, okay? Um, we'll do this real fast. We know that Jesus died on the cross, right? We're good with that. Yes. He was buried for three days. Let's talk about what happened while his body was buried for three days. Let's go to Colossians chapter two, verse fifteen. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphant over them in it. Yes. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Over them in it. Yes, them. Let's talk about what he's talking about. So this is, this is Jesus. We're talking about Jesus and what happened during the time that his body was buried in that tomb. Okay? Um, if I back up a verse, if I back up to verse 13, he's talking about us. It says, and you being dead in your sin and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened together with him? That word quickened means made alive. When we receive Jesus, our spirits are quickened. Our spirits are made alive. Okay? Has he quickened together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses? Well, what does that include? Well, that includes blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. You know, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Well, don't you know Catherine did this and Cindy did this and Deborah did this? Now, Lord, she, God, you know you saw her when she, you, you know you saw her when she did that. You, the accuser of the brethren, but guess what? They've already been blotted out. Amen. Everything that was against us has already been blotted out, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Jesus said, yep, I knew she was going to say that wrong word. Nailed it to the cross. Yep, I knew she was going to not forgive this person. Nailed it to the cross. Yep, I knew she was going to take this that didn't belong to her. Nailed it to the cross. Jesus, Jesus did all of that, glory to God, when he went to the cross. That was already done for us. All that's left for us to do is receive it. And that's what happens when we receive Jesus as our Savior. So now we go into verse 15. Amen. And so now we go into verse 15 where it says, and having spoiled principalities and powers. This is what Jesus did. He spoiled principalities and power. I'm going to jump over to the Amplified Version and read it, okay? It says, God disarmed when Jesus was on the cross and or Jesus was in the grave. His body was in the grave. Okay. While Jesus' body was in the grave, his spirit the real him, the real part of us, his spirit was in hell with the devil. And this is what happened. God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them and triumphing over them in him, meaning Jesus, and in the cross. How did he make um, a bold display and a public example? He raised Jesus from the dead. So, oh, devil, you thought you had him, but ha, joke's on you. 
He spoiled mm-hmm. the principalities, all the evil powers, all, everything that could, that, that did have dominion over us, everything that did, no longer does, because Jesus died and rose again. When he was in mm-hmm. hell, that's where, let's go to uh, Revelation chapter, chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. He says he has the keys of hell and death. That's what happened when his body was in the grave and his spirit was in hell. He was beating the devil, and he took the keys of hell and death. And then God made a spoil of the devil openly by raising Jesus from the dead. So guess what? The devil no longer has dominion over us. The devil no longer has dominion over this world. We are no longer damned to hell and death. Death, we talked about it in the very beginning. It's when our spirit is separated from God. Well, now when we receive Jesus, our spirits are united with God, reunited with God, and we don't have to die. His body will expire, but we will not die because we will be forever alive with the Lord. Amen? Woo! Amen. 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 So, but that's not it. That's not it. Not only was Jesus raised from the dead. Let's look at that, though, in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. In these scriptures... We're talking about the mighty power of God. As a matter of fact, the last phrase in verse 19 says, according to the working of his mighty power. So let's talk about what his mighty power did in verses 20 and 21. Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sealed him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, and dominion. And every power that he be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Okay. Yes, so we're talking about the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, which was exuded in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So we know that God raised him from the dead, but not only did God raise him from the dead, he also set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So where is Jesus right now? Right next to God. In heaven, right next to God, at the right hand. The right hand is the hand of power. He's sitting at the right hand of God. But not just is he sitting at the right hand of God. He's sitting far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, including coronavirus. He's sitting way up there, just like we just read in um, Luke ten nineteen that we have power and authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Why? Because Jesus is sitting there. Jesus is sitting there far above. He's got authority over all of that. But not only does he have authority all of that over all of that, we do too. Just flip a page real quick. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. 
Can somebody read that? And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only is Jesus in heaven, sitting right next to God, at the right hand of the Father, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, but we are too because we have been raised together with him. When Jesus was raised, we were raised. We just had to receive it. And the way to receive that is to receive Jesus as Savior. When we receive Jesus as Savior, we get the whole package. We get the whole package. Mm -hmm. So let me read it in the Amplified. It says, um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus. We are seated right there with him. So Jesus has authority. We have authority. We have authority. Adam had Yes. Adam had authority, then he gave it to Satan. Then Jesus came and took it back and gave it to us. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The world received a reset. Everything's been straight again. Everything has been straight again. And so just like God told um, Adam back in the garden, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Well, God is saying the same thing to us today. We who are born again have Jesus, the one who has all power living on the inside of us. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, it tells us, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. We just read that Jesus is seated in authority, so we're seated in authority. Okay, this is what uh, Sister Tony wanted to read. Sister Tony, will you read uh, verse 22, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22? It says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Amen. And put all things under his feet. Well, all things have been put under Jesus' feet. All things have been put under our feet. We only need to wake up to our identity in Christ and realize the authority that we have in him. In John 14, 12, Jesus said, the same works that I do, you'll do, and greater works than these. So let's do a quick inventory. Jesus calmed the storm. So guess what? We can too. If that sounds far-fetched, I've done it. I'll tell you that story. It's so funny. I've done it. It, I I understand why when the disciples saw Jesus speak to the wind, wave there, but they're like, what manner of man is this? Well, I felt the same way, and I was the one who spoke to it. I was like, oh, my God. Okay, I'll tell you real quick. It's real fast. I was in Texas, and there was like a hurricane warning or something. Some, the, the sirens were going off, tornado warning, tornado warning. And um, we lived in a house, nice house, all glass windows, glass windows everywhere, right? And so my roommate, she comes to me, and she was like, did you hear the siren? I was like, yeah. And she was like, come on. So we went in the living room. She's not a believer. We went in the living room, and I grabbed my purse, and I grabbed my Bible, 
and went in the living room. And so I'm standing there in front of all of this glass, and I'm looking. And God had had me meditating real strong in um, Psalms 103. And the words that came out of my mouth was, he redeems my life from destruction. Um, he crowns the good, he crowns us with loving kindness. And I was saying the scriptures, and my roommate was looking at me like, what are you doing? I was like, he, he, he redeems us from destruction, he, you know, and she's not getting it. And I'm looking outside, and I was like, I'm not close enough. So I opened the door, and I went outside on the patio. And I began speaking to the storm in the name of Jesus. And now my roommate is looking at me like, I am crazy. And I decide I'm cold. The wind's blowing. The rain's falling. So I go back in my room to get my raincoat real quick. And I go back outside. And it's like as soon as I step outside, I'm sweating because I'm hot in this raincoat. And it takes me a second to realize I look, and all of a sudden, I believe God did this to me. It was a big flash of lightning, not like a lightning strike, but a lightning that lit up the whole sky. And it was nighttime. It lit up the whole sky, and he allowed me to see that not a single tree was moving. Nothing was moving. The rain had stopped. And I'm standing there like, I need to go back inside, because this is freaky. (laughs) I wasn't afraid to walk out in the storm, but when I saw the power of God, for real, I'm like, what manner of man is this? I know that it was God working through me. I know that it was Jesus working through me, and it truly freaked me out. But I'm telling you, it's possible, and we need to get used to walking in that kind of authority. We need to expect it to happen. That's how we walk. Amen. That's how we walk in our authority. And praise God, I've had a lot of practice since then, so I don't get scared like I used to. But I continue to see it. I continue to see it. I continue to see it. So it's possible. Jesus calmed the storm, and we can too. Jesus healed the sick, yes. we can too. Jesus cast yes. out devils, we can too. Let's turn to, so you know... Let's turn to Mark chapter 16. Verses 17 and 18. Mark 1, 6, verses 17 and 18. These signs that follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen. This, Amen. These are the signs that follow not everyone who is born again, but that follow those who believe. Remember, we're talking about how it's possible to read the word and miss the message. It's possible to be a Christian but not believe the word, not believe these things are possible through you, not believe these things are possible for you. These signs follow them that believe. So the question becomes, are we going to believe? Are we going to believe who God says we are, what God says we can do? Are we going to believe 
who we are in Christ. And we can't believe who we are in Christ until we know who we are in Christ. Right. And so you may be asking, what does all this have to do with John 3.16? Getting ready to wrap it up right here. You remember what we said a vision was? The vision is the message behind the divine communication, right? Yes. And without a vision, the people perish. perish. Now, this word perish in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, it means to cast off restraint. So I'll give you an example. If I'm trying to eat healthy and I've got a list of foods that I can eat, a list of foods that I can snack on, I've got the vision in front of me, and when I go grocery shopping, I'm going to stick to that list, you know, and, and my chances of eating healthier are better because at least I've gone by the list. I have the vision there. The, you know, it's there in front of me. Well, when the vision is gone, I go to the store, I pick up whatever I want. I have cast off restraint. I am not trying to pick up celery when I can pick up potato chips. Without a vision, people cast off the straight. They just go to their own. And, and when, you, when you go off on your own a lot, then you will end up wandering aimlessly. And there comes a point when you can be, wander so aimlessly that you get lost. And there's a point where we can get so lost that we don't even want to be found. And that's when we perish the parish that's in John 3.16. That's when we are utterly destroyed, and that's when we live a life of separation from God. So without, without a vision, without a revelation, the people perish. So what about the people with a, version, with a vision? Remember, if the people without a vision perish, then the people with a vision will not perish. All right. And so the vision is the message behind the vision or the divine communication. What is Jesus but a divine communication? John 1, 1 and 1, 14 say, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word that became flesh was Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is a divine communication. So now, do, do you all follow that? Okay. And so John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. They should not be without a vision. They shall not be without revelation. They should not, <clears throat> excuse me, and because, excuse me, <clears throat> and because they are not without revelation, they won't be utterly destroyed. They won't continue to cast off restraint that results in their being utterly destroyed and going to hell. Are you following me? Yes. Do I need to say it again? Yes. Somebody help me. Say it again or you got it. Say it again. Okay. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. 
okay? They should not be without a vision. They shall not be without revelation of what God wants to show them, okay? They're, yeah. they're not going to go. So we, we understand that they're not going to go to hell. That's true. But also they're not going to be without the vision. Remember, we're taking John 3.16 and we're, we're digging deeper to find it more than just a go-to-heaven scripture. This is a how we're to live on earth scripture too. So when we believe in Jesus, we just talked about these signs, follow them that believe. Well, when we believe in Jesus, not just that he's the son of God, which he is, not just that he died, um, was buried, and rose again, which he did, but also that he is seated in the heavenly places and that we are seated in heavenly places with him. When we believe this, when we get this message, we're not, when we get this vision, we're not going to perish. We're not going to cast off restraint. We're not going to be utterly destroyed because we're going to understand what it is that Jesus came to give us. And because we understand what Jesus came to give us, we're going to understand how to use it. That's in 2020, you're going to get the point. We're going to understand how to use it, and we're going to walk victoriously. That's what he came to show us. Whoever believeth in him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And everlasting life, we said it earlier, we often think of that as means I'm going to heaven. Well, yes. Well, let's look at John chapter 17. Verse 3, and we're almost done. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Amen. This is life eternal. This is everlasting life. To know thee, the only true God, for, the, for us to know him, not just have a mind understanding of him or a surface knowledge of him, but to know him. You know that word know means to have, like a man knows his wife, to have intimate relationship with his wife. This is life eternal, that we have an intimate knowledge of God, an intimate relationship with God and with Jesus. When we get to know God this way and we get to know Jesus this way, not only do we get to know them, but we get to know us. We get to know who we are. In the very beginning, amen, in the beginning of the, the study, we were talking about how we are spirit. God breathed his spirit into man. So his spirit was in man. And, and so that's who we are. And we, man was created in God's image and in God's likeness. So the more we get to know about God and the more we get to know about Jesus, the more we get to know about us because he created us to be like him. Yeah. And God, okay, and so remember earlier also we are talking about how we say God's in charge, we just need to trust him. But, and, and we have the tendency in our trust for God and in our dependency on him, we sometimes sit back like we're helpless. Like we have no part to play. But that is not who we are. That is not who God created us to be. And as we get to know him, we get to know us. And we get to know that we are not helpless. We are not powerful. Jesus showed us who God is. But not only did he show us who God is through his love and his compassion and his, all of that, he showed us who God is in us because he let us see who God was in him. 
when Jesus was on this earth, he was not down here as God. He was down here as a man. Amen. And as a man, he fully depended on God. And as a man, he let God work through him. And that's how he was able to perform the miracles. That's how he was able to do the healing. That's how he spoke with such authority that people were like, who is he? Isn't he supposed to be Joseph's son? The carpenter's son? Ooh, how is it that he speaks with this kind of authority? Because it was God working in them. He says, um, the Father in me, he doeth the work. God came to show us that's how we are to operate. So Jesus came Amen. to give us a vision. He came to give us the message. He came to give us the message of our identity. He came to give us the message of who we are. When we know who we are and when we know our identity in Christ, there is nothing that is impossible to us or for us. We will no longer separate ourselves from God, but we will partner with him to bring about the changes to our circumstances and to our world. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Out. We thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody who would like to pray us out? Father, we just want to thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your grace, Lord. We thank you for giving us, oh God, the desire to learn. We thank you for Sister Kay, oh God, and the ministry, of oh God, that she has, oh God, that empowers us, oh God. So, Father, I pray you continue to bless, oh God, as she blesses us, yes. oh Father, yes. Lord. I pray for everyone that's on this call, oh Father. Help us, Lord, even as we got this word, oh God, to use it, oh God, not only to be hearers of God only, but to be doers of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Wow, what a feast. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. To God be the glory. If you want to learn more about our ministry, you can go to our website at www.godslovesongministries.com. Amen. Loving you with the love of the Lord. You be blessed.